I'm AJ Kirsten. This is the New England Take, a weekly interview show with experts, business owners, and artists across New England. Check out thenewenglandtake.com to get the back episodes and podcast feeds. Also, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where I have the handle New England Take. We have a very news-oriented episode this week. Uh, previous episode, uh, previous segment in this episode was with on the downtown Queen City basketball jam that took place last weekend in Manchester, New Hampshire. But next up, I'm joined by Anne-Marie Timmons, senior reporter with New Hampshire Bulletin. Thanks for joining me. Before uh, we dive into the subject, uh, give a quick plug to New Hampshire Bulletin and your work. Sure, thank you for having me. New Hampshire Bulletin, I think we launched a little under three months ago. We are a nonprofit news site, uh, free to read. Anyone can republish us as well uh, for free. And our focus is really the legislature, state government. We have three people covering the state house and all that's going on there. Um, and I feel like that's not enough these days, but it's great. A lot, of, a lot of moving parts, especially this last uh, couple of years. Yes, yes. So, so specifically in this segment, uh, it's going to be, uh, I'll put, put an episode to in the episode description if you're listening to the podcast version of the show. Uh, we're going to speak about your article on, art, actually the last couple articles on the New Hampshire budget regarding uh, the uh, right to freedom from discrimination in public workplaces and education legislation that was passed. Um, it's commonly referred to as the divisive concepts law, um, which is which is the name of which isn't actually a phrase that's in the new version of the law that was passed by the governor, but that was in the previous version that this legislation was based off of. So I just want to make that very clear. There's been a lot of confusion over just that phrase in it. I mean, how much have you been having to clarify exactly what's in this compared to the old version of the law? We have talked about this internally because we want to be respectful of the language uh, of the law as passed. Um, but that's also the shorthand everybody knows it by. And so what I did is I looked at the law that was proposed and the language in the actual budget that was passed. It's essentially the same language. There's a couple of things that have been taking, taken out. And in that original bill, it said these are what we think are divisive concepts. That's where this bill name comes from. And it was all the things that are still in the same bill. So we have been using divisive concepts um, because that's how the people who are being affected view it. And um, yeah, I mean, even people on the right are referring to it because it's this is a horrible name for the legislation. It kind of makes me think uh, politically that might have been on purpose to kind of get away from the easy catchphrase of it. They do not like the easy catchphrase. No, not not if they know they're going to get a ton of negative press about it. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, specifically, the, the various divisive concepts that are referred to are um, referring to people's age, sex, gender identity, sexual orientation, race, creed, color, marital status, familial status, mental or physical disability, religion, national origin, and uh, are basically the key points that are repeated through. I read through it earlier. It, was, um, it is live. I, some, there was a lot, even confusion that the actual um, legislation was publicly available. No, it is available. It is available very hard to find. Mm -hmm. It's within House Bill 2, which is the policy trailer bill to the budget. Uh, the easiest way to do that, and this is how I find it every time, is I go on the general court website, search for House Bill 2, and then do a word search for inherently. <laughs> it's in there a lot. <laughs> 
is it's in that section of a very long bill, um, but it's it's good for people to read. I would encourage people to look at it. Yeah, it's very it's it's actually it is a bit confusing, mainly because of its repetition. But if you read actually read through it, it's relatively straightforward. And I was actually surprised how much uh, I didn't see the original version of it. But it seems like they gave a fair bit to the left side of the aisle, knowing the push that back they would get. Well, they did. Um, they made sure to include a very broad group, as you just said, you named all those things um, that is in there. I think I, I personally do not see a significant difference between what was there and what isn't there. I know that was how it was discussed by the supporters when it was finally passed that, you know, we've really made this much broader and less contentious. I don't think everyone would agree with that. The two pieces that were removed um, sort of addressed morality, like, you know, the group you come from does not predetermine your morality and work ethic is not bad. That cannot be criticized because there is a sense that, you know, people pick themselves up by their bootstraps, so to speak, and can rise above their lot in life. Um, so those two pieces are gone, but otherwise it really is the same bill and so I, I guess I would I would need some more uh, some more help seeing how this is different and sort of more appeasing to the supporters. And this is your coverage the last couple articles I saw from you on New Hampshire Bulletin uh, covered the confusion of that's going on across the state agencies and educators regarding this. You speak to a bit of the uh, kind of the mass panic that's kind of going on. Sure it's uh, maybe start with schools because it's yeah. really pronounced there. The two pieces of guidance, which can be found on the uh, state attorney general's office, that, that office came out with two guiding uh, documents for both public employers and schools. Um, they're similar, but there is some differences. So starting with schools, there's real concern there be, be, because a lot of these issues of um, implicit bias, systemic racism are uh, at the core of history. So if you're going to teach history, you're going to have to address slavery, oppression by some groups over other groups. And what the guidance says is that is not disallowed. You can still talk about those things in a historic sense. You can talk about Black Lives Matter. You can talk about current events. You just can't say one group is inherently superior to another and one group is inherently um, oppressive of another and vice versa, you can't say one group is lesser than. So that's clear. What is a concern among educators is their lessons, don't, they don't feel say that now, they feel like they're already in line with the law. They haven't been teaching the so-called critical race theory. So the, the lesson is not their concerns. It ha it's how that lesson is going to be perceived by someone because you can, find fault with it, file a complaint, either with Human Rights Commission, the Attorney General's office, or bring a lawsuit. It's very easy to do that, and that's gonna trigger an investigation. And regardless of where that investigation ends up, that's going to be a stressful process. And so, and we don't know how it's going to be evaluated, like what counts and what does not. So I think that's the perception people will have and where that leads people that's really worrying teachers and they're already talking about, I think I better scale back on this. I don't know if this is covered. I'm not going to address that, which is really too bad. Yeah. And 
but ultimately it was kind of the goal of the, the, the legislatures that pushed this and whether what side of it the governor officially stands on can kind of be up for debate to some extent. Um, you could say he maybe did it politically because he wants to run for Senate here soon enough. Um, but it's, it seems like they're getting this law through is very productive in the eyes of the Republicans in, in the New Hampshire uh, Senate and House of Reps. Yes, I think it's been interesting uh, this year, in past years in my time covering the legislature, there's always some policy pieces uh, tucked into the budget. That's not, um, you know, owned by one side by any means. There was a lot in this budget that was policy. There's the abortion ban, there's this divisive concepts issue. And so tucking it in there, of course, gives it some extra protection because as a standalone bill, it gets voted up or down it was pretty clear the governor was not going to veto the whole budget to get rid of this. Um, but he so was going to he was going to veto it if it came through independently, though, wasn't he? Yes and no. It's yeah. very hard to tell that he's he said both things after it, okay. after he did sign the budget. He said, I didn't ask for this. This wasn't my bill. Um, people who are opposed to that legislation feel he could have done more. Others say this is a a conservative value that we're seeing across the country and we want to protect people here as well. And they, you know, it's just a difference of opinion on where he stands really. And I don't think there isn't going to be an answer found to that. Yeah, it, it this is very much, you, you kind of uh, alluded to it a bit. I mean, this is very much the nationalization of politics kind of creeping into uh, what ended up being the budget, which is uh, interesting to put it in a nice way. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, we've always seen blanket or um, sort of textbook or book template legislation on both sides come through. You know, that's, that always happens. I found the tucking it into the budget to be really what was unique this year uh, to the degree, you know, the, the biggest, the big things that were in that budget were a surprise. Can you speak a bit to the, we talked about education. What about the state agency side of the house? Yeah, sure. So the uh, this the law also applies to public employers, you know, public um, municipalities. Um, it also addresses colleges and universities. At that level, you know, they're they're really thinking about what can we do in terms of staff trainings. We see these, we see these at the beginning of a year. Often employers, public employers, private employers will do sensitivity training, so to speak. They'll address racism, sexism. So. They felt going in that they were pretty safe to continue to do that. They felt like their trainings were um, in line with the, what the law said. And once the guidance came out for them, I think they also felt reassured that this law is not going to be a problem for them. They don't seem that worried about it. There is some concern. Like they, you know, they're definitely looking it over, running it by legal counsel, making sure they're in line. But there is not the panic that we see at schools right now. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I would have been a lot more surprised about this legislation coming through if it was that aggressive towards the diversity and inclusion side of the house, especially right after, like, I spoke to John Skippa from police training and through the LEAC commission going through. I mean, Sununu is a huge supporter of that, and there's a big part of that is expansion of diversity, inclusion, implicit bias training. Yes, and, and we saw elsewhere in the budget, too, there was a bill 
to require implicit bias training of judges. So on one hand, people say, how can you push that? And then also in their minds forbid it in discussion of schools. I should add that in the guidance for public employers, that it does explicitly say you can include implicit bias training that is allowed to be included. And in both cases, it's not enough for someone to feel uncomfortable with the discussion. Um, they can opt out of that classroom. Parent can take them out of that classroom without penalty. And likewise, employees can opt out of the training without penalty. But again, it, it, uh, we don't know what will justify a complaint. Anyone can bring one, but the state says it's not enough if you are uncomfortable, you know, discussing history and big issues is uncomfortable. No, that's good, at least in my opinion, that they're at least being aware, self-aware of that for sure. I mean, but what, have you gotten any signal at all on what that line might be? Like, are there specific teachings? Like, is it uh, white fragility? Is it how to be an anti-racist? Is there anything, any hints to specific uh, teachings that they're really looking to cut out of curriculum? Uh, no, there's nothing here that I have seen that is a draws a clear line there. What I've heard is, we'll know it when we see it. And so, so that's not helpful. It's not helpful uh, at and, all. <laughs> and in, uh, in uh, down south, there was a teacher who was fired. And I, over this issue in that state, that state's law was different. In some states, feeling uncomfortable is enough to, to validate a violation. So in that state, the uh, teacher had uh, signed some readings and that teachers, some students took offense to that. There was some uh, profanity in there. And there was a dis another class discussion where a student felt like he wasn't able to voice uh, opinion as a white person. And so the school board investigated, I don't know to what degree or how, but the teacher was ultimately fired. And that has been held up by opponents of divisive concepts restrictions as a sign that you know they're going to come after us. I thought the reporting on that was unfortunate because it was hard to tell really what happened. So I know that's being held up an example. I, I think I would like to know a lot more before I say, yes, that's what happened. That was why this teacher was fired and that will be an example for New Hampshire. But I know it's that's been circulated by New Hampshire folks a lot on social media. I don't think it's a perfect example for us at this point. Yeah, if this is my full-time job is working with a bunch of lawyers and I get a bunch of lawyers on this show. This is definitely something that's going to end up in the courts for the next 12 to 24 months. If uh, It's going to be hitting George McDonald soon enough over at the, the state Supreme Court. There's no way around it. I mean, it's probably going to be mid-next year till that really happens, if I had to guess. But that's where this is going to get sorted out. I think you're right. Either there'll be an appeal of a, a ruling or a parent can go or an employee can go right to superior court. And just to maybe illustrate how frightening that is and how costly it can be. A few years ago, I was sued by an inmate upset with a story that I had written. Um, I'd taken much of the language from a press release from the attorney general's office. It spoke about crimes he was charged with and convicted of. And he brought a lawsuit for a million plus dollars against me and my paper at the time, the Conquer Monitor. And it was frivolous. It was ultimately found to be frivolous. It cost us thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to make that case go away and get to that point. And lots of time, 
lots of stress. And so the it's even if a teacher or an employer uh, wins in the end, it's not nothing to go through that process. Have the teachers unions stated whether they're going to publicly, whether they're going to stand up for these teachers and uh, take care of some of these court costs that these teachers are definitely going to hit or school districts are going to hit? We haven't heard that yet. Um, I would guess they would follow suit as they do in other situations like this. What we did hear is a statement this week from the NEA New Hampshire saying, we asked you for guidance, you know, people's livelihoods, licenses are online here. This isn't helpful. We want more. We really wanted you to say, this is okay. This is not okay. So they've asked for additional guidance. Um, we'll see if that comes, but I, they haven't said yet, you know, how they will go forward uh, on this, you know, case by case. Yeah, I mean, this is this is an ethics nightmare. <laughs> Whether it comes from the the pat the way the legislation was passed, the way the legislation was written, and to how the legislation is supposed to be handled after it's actually live, I mean, it, it it's boggles the mind. I mean, I, I've I was you know in between journalism careers, I was a school counselor, and middle school, and I would teach sometimes in the classroom, and if you just need to spend you know, a day in a classroom to see how difficult it is to manage a discussion, even if your intention is not to go down this road, the student brings it up. What do you do? And it, you can't control what students are thinking about, talking about, wanting to know about. And every student has a different perception. You know, I would be surprised if some student felt Oh, I didn't think you handled that class on stress management very well. I felt excluded. Where that came from, I don't know. I did not see it that way. So not much has to go into a perception. And then how do you evaluate that? There's no recording of a classroom. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be tough. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just I'm very pragmatic. I'm very uh, it's. I under, very much understand the skepticism of, of the, the critical race theory people, uh, scholars that are out there with, with a certain portion of them especially. Uh, but <laughs> I don't feel like this is the proper solution to it. Uh, is, I'm not expecting you to necessarily comment on your reporter on it, but uh, it seems like this could have a lot, a much better way of handling this would have been publicly posting curriculum or uh, saying these are the things we cover during social studies classes or civics courses, and then seeing if there's a problem and letting the courts handle it at that side where there's evidence and uh, you can see whether there's a real issue. Handling it proactively is very, it's not the way to do it. I think that is a, that is what, that's a main concern. Um, it feels to teachers like you don't, you clearly don't know what we're teaching because this is not what we're focused on. Um, People will talk in the legislature, this is the solution in search of a problem. I've heard that used to describe this legislation. Uh, so it, you're right, it's going to be a mess. Like think about how schools are going, are going to start this year, trying to figure out masks and COVID protections and trying to figure out what to do with divisive concepts. I would right. not want to be starting the year with that. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's Anne-Marie Timmons from New Hampshire Bulletin. Give one more quick plug. Oh, NewHampshireBulletin.com. Check us out. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, our goal is to do in-depth coverage. Um, and please reach out, story ideas, concerns. 
um, complaints. We want to hear all of it. So thank you. You're listening to the New England Take.